This is the Run Pod Option. I'm Marty. I'm Kyle. And I'm Jeff. And you can follow us on Twitter at Run Pod Option or email us runpodoption at gmail.com. We're a part of the Fifth Quarter Network, fifthquarter.net, for access to the Discord forums. There's some really good articles on there, too. And on Twitter, it's at Fifth Quarter CFB. Gentlemen, how have you handled Saturdays being free? What's free? I don't know what that is. How do we define free? <laughs> I'm always busy. It's, I'm not free. So how do you feel not being, <laughs> not worrying about trying to schedule college football through your Saturdays now that we're in the off season? Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's been different. It's been, I've got other stuff to, uh, to keep me occupied. Um, college basketball is definitely in there so I can cry about Syracuse. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, you know, you know how crazy my life has been with the whole yeah building of a house and everything so yeah kyle's building a house the next season kyle's going to be recording from his own personal studio that he uh has in the blueprint i believe and it just oh is yes. his, it's just his game room <laughs> it's it's, it's master it's third, closet it's the third bedroom that i've that i've claimed <laughs> as my own yes jeff what about your saturdays what have what have you been keeping up to since there's been no college football uh so much like kyle i usually start the day off crying you know, huddled in a ball in the corner of my room, wishing it was uh, August or September. No, um, I guess I've just been more productive, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, <it's- laughs> like earlier grocery store runs, more yard work. <laughs> and we're all in Charlotte's, and it seems like every Saturday the last month it's rained too. Yep. So that hasn't really been great because it. Or it snowed like this. That's week. true. Yeah, it did snow on Saturday. That was that was enjoyable. It didn't stick, unfortunately. So for today's show, we're discussing uh, the coaching hires that happened this offseason. We were waiting. Today is the ninth, I believe, right? Of February. I believe the Oscars are Correct. going on. Is it is the Academy Awards or the Oscars? See. I don't really same thing, isn't it? I don't know, honestly. I'm afraid <laughs> to ask. Pretty sure it's the uh, same yeah. thing. <laughs> okay, so 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 kind of framing the time because we wanted to give enough time for these hires to finish, and we were looking really good on Monday. We were looking really good that we'd have our whole list all set up, and then Mark D'Antonio decided just to uh, to retire and just totally <laughs> mess this whole operation up. Well, he decided to get 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 investigated. <laughs> Yeah, he oh, yeah. yeah he got dude he got out of dodge too he was he's got a nice pull, lawsuit just, coming against him yeah he pulled the uh, the ripcord so I'm gonna lead it off with Michigan State we don't at the time of this recording have a hire and if you want to we can speculate a little bit on maybe what is a good hire but I had a different question in mind that I'm gonna ask you Jeff since you're the Big Ten guy here noted Michigan fan Jeff so you're the most familiar with this program. I wanted to ask, what do you think Michigan State needs to do from a scheme, a plan, or a recruiter in their new hire to get back into both the Big Ten championship conversation? And it's not that long ago that they were in the playoffs in the national conversation, too. If you were Michigan State, how would you proceed? It's going to be interesting because I think they're going to kind of go back to what Mark D'Antonio and his staff did four or five years ago 
when they were really doing well in the Big Ten and you know getting into the, the playoff hunt, they were recruiting a lot of guys that Michigan and Ohio State didn't necessarily want either in Michigan or Ohio, but were still like really good Big Ten caliber players. So they're going to have to get back to that, and then I think they're going to need to try to sprinkle in talent from Georgia or Florida, um, a lot of Michigan State's skill players who kind of were like fringe NFL players over the last couple of years came from Georgia, for example. So I think they kind of have to go back to that blueprint and stop stargazing like they did the last couple of years. Doesn't this put into play my uh, fever dream from a couple of months ago where Nick Saban was like, was the head coach of Michigan, <laughs> Michigan State? Yeah. Is this a weird reality that we're now living in? <laughs> I wish he would. That would be a blast. There would be nothing worse for the rest of the Big Ten than if Nick Saban decided just to retire and he said, you know what, I've got six more years. Let's make it happen in Michigan State. (laughs) And the SEC West would just be celebrating the whole way through. Yeah. So we know that Luke Fickle's been rumored pretty heavily for the job and for what you just spoke to in recruiting both Michigan and Ohio, that's kind of what Luke Fickle does, right? So that would be a pretty good hire in general. Mm -hmm. The thing that kind of bums me about that potential is I don't think they look that different than the Michigan state we've seen the last three years. And that secretly kind of bums me out because I want to see them with any kind of a different offense. You don't have to run the air raid. You you don't have to, you know, just to run the triple option, let's just do something different at Michigan State that's not just that weird, boring pro style. I think that, you know, Connor Cook isn't going to be playing in the XFL, it looks like. Maybe he'll be a backup. Why not just hire him in to be your head coach? There you go. Former XFL great Connor Cook after one weekend. <laughs> I don't know where it lands, and, and we spoke last season when we were previewing just how exciting the Big Ten is from a coaching standpoint and all the people that seem to be or that had gone to the Big Ten. So I think Michigan State, if they don't get Luke, I wouldn't be surprised here if they end up just hiring internally, a la the Matt Luke route and just weathering the storm of the investigation at least for one season and then proceeding with their coach hire. Once there's, you know, there's going to be 10 people fired probably before the end of the season, there's going to be someone worth value there. Well, Jim Grobe, was he, what's he doing? <laughs> Just him to fill in like he did for Art Bryles at Baylor. Yeah, yeah he, he's no he's no, no, uh, no stranger to weathering out a uh, an investigation. I also don't think he's coached it since then, so I don't know what he's been doing. Yeah, he still can't get the stink off of him that just for, just for being at Baylor that first year after everything went down. All right, so let's go over some of our hires. If we want to, we can just kind of throw out what you think are bad hires, good hires, interesting hires, hires that you never heard of the coach before, and then you know you you're you're excited about it now. Either way, Kyle, I'm going to start with you. Let let's. Let's let you tee off on on the first coach you'd like to talk about this What episode. is Colorado State doing? <laughs> so this was an episode you missed, Kyle. You were out. Okay. You were out when when Jeff and I spoke about this for about 20 minutes, right, Jeff? It was it was a long conversation. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The guy's never coached west of Indiana. No, he's at Boston College, he was 44 and 44, which is the definition of mediocrity. And his whole coaching uh, career is all nine seasons, 57 and 55. I, I, what is Why? Why? 
But well, if you go to Colorado like, State, what does that get you? That's that's probably a ten year contract. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I think so. Colorado State is one of those schools that I always hear mentioned by people that a lot are a lot smarter and more hip to the college football landscape than I am. And Colorado State is supposed to be they're they're putting themselves in position to be the next big mid major school. They think they're ready to be the next Boise because they're located in a great area, a really good recruiting area, and they've got money. Well, nothing says confidence like Steve Adazio. And since they <laughs> couldn't just outright hire Urban Meyer, they decided to let Urban Meyer pick the coach instead. And that's how we ended up with Adazio. And and I yeah, I don't I don't understand I don't know what they look like, you know, next year or in three years, except there's probably definitely gonna be some dudes. There's probably going to be a, one or two running backs that are huge, and they're all dead by the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there's going to be a quarterback that has – I think the quarterback for them last year, he had the worst passing rating on third downs because that's literally, literally like the only time he'd actually passed the ball, and he was so poor. Jeff, remind me, who was it that also got brought on to Adazio's staff? Wasn't it Urban Meyer's son-in-law? Yeah, he's like the quarterback's coach or something. And he was a grad assistant at Ohio State, right? Was it, yeah, was it Urban, right. Meyer's, Urban Meyer's drunk nephew, Bourbon Meyer? <laughs> oh, my God. That's actually, that's actually uh, that's honestly fantastic. Here, we're going to stay in the Mountain West. because I, So I, I, did a jo- I just looked through all the Mountain West hires because I kind of wanted to focus on some of the mid-majors. And the reason I wanted to speak about the Mountain West in particular – was the Mountain West just finished their TV deal negotiations. And part of their TV deal negotiations have it so that Boise State, I believe if the terminology is right, I'm not sure, they pretty much, Boise State owns their own rights. Like they can go and get their own TV money outside of the Mountain West, which is also why... light? Kind of. I mean, they're, they're, they're the richest program because of that. That's or that's one of the reasons they are, because they're also one of the most marketable. So it kind of makes sense. But they got in a small legal spat with Boise State trying to include them and in trying to cut that part of the deal out when this when this TV deal picks up. So all these Mountain West hires become a little bit more important to me because the Mountain West at some point in the next five years is going to get shaken up. Right, we're going to have a realignment nightmare, and it's really going to be a nightmare for a lot of these teams. So, New Mexico, Fresno State, the aforementioned Colorado State, UNLV, San Diego State, and Hawaii all brought in new coaches. And oh. those teams, those programs specifically, this is going to be really, really, really important because this hire might decide what ultimately which conference they get put in, whether they are going to have to be an independent down the road, maybe. That would be a Hawaii seems prime for that. Or if they're good enough, if the Pac-12 decided to be the Pac-14 or just any version of this, right? So so some of the cool hires that I thought, I'm going to focus on New Mexico and San Diego State first. New Mexico brought in Danny Gonzalez, who used to actually play for him. And what's interesting about it is his defensive coordinator is now Rocky Long, who left San Diego State. Yeah. So Rocky Long back in 2006 said that this Danny Gonzalez kid, he's probably going to be the New Mexico head coach one day. Like he's, he's been primed for this job pretty much his entire way and has followed Rocky Long all the way through. He had a two year stint in Arizona. They finished 53rd and 35th 
uh, on defense as he's with him as defensive coordinator. I just think it's kind of cool to have the mentor situation there. And then on the San Diego State side, Brady Hoke came in to replace Rocky Long. We all remember yes. Brady Hoke. After he won nine games, he subsequently led them. Uh, I'm sorry. It led to him becoming the Michigan head coach, which I know. after two seasons. It was only after two seasons. It was after two and seasons. He had seven with Ball State before that. And if you'll remember, and I think those seven seasons, he only went bowling twice. But that last season he was there, Nate Davis was the quarterback. I'll never forget it because he always wore gloves when he threw. I think they had 12 wins that year. They went 12 and 1. Yeah, Yeah, they went 12 and 1. Like, they were really good. And Dave Letterman talked about him because he was a Ball State alum. Like, I remember being like, (laughs) it was a big deal. Throwback. I personally don't like that hire. I mean, considering... I don't think it's a bad hire for San Diego State. I think it's a bad hire. I'm sorry. I think it's a bad thing to go from Rocky Long to Brady Hoke, if that makes sense. It feels almost like a panic move where you're going for nostalgia. I guess. And and, and the one thing that it kind of relates to the New Mexico hire for me, every person that he's brought in for offensive and defensive coordinator has worked with them prior to. So speaking of the nepotism with Steve Adasio, Jeff, uh, we have – Jeff Hecklinski, which yeah. is a name, and Kurt Maddox, all of them have yeah. worked for Brady Hoke in the past. And Jeff Hecklinski specifically was, I believe, the Michigan receivers rec- coach. Receivers coach, and I want to say he was the recruiting coordinator too. Yep. Uh, and they got worse every year he was there, so I don't know if that's totally great. Maybe he can bring bring the whole bunch in and go get Greg Robinson. Oh and- God. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so you have Kalen DeBoer, you have Marcus Arroyo also being brought into the conference, and then Todd Graham out in Hawaii, which is kind of a weird bit too. And without diving too deep into him, I don't want to speak about the coaches, but I want everybody to put a pin in this and just realize if these hires don't work out for a UNLV or a Colorado State or a San Diego State, when we get to realignment in 2024 or 25 or whenever that's going to happen – uh, shit might hit the fan for these teams, and they'll be either future independents or potentially going back down to FCS, like I believe it's being rumored at New Mexico State currently. Wow. All right, That's let's get off the Mountain West. Jeff? Speaking of uh, a place where dudes live and work, I'm really interested to see how <laughs> so Jeff... vague. <laughs> just a quick edit here. Jeff's audio cut out just for like 10 seconds. He's speaking about Boston College. Matt Ryan playing there and them being solid, not great. I don't know. Do they ever win more than seven or eight games a year? But I think eight games might have been their max with Matt Ryan. Yeah. Like that's kind of what I think their ceiling is, maybe like eight or nine wins. And I'd like to see if he can get them back there. You know, they're going to be good on defense. He's got a defensive background. I'm intrigued to see what they do offensively. So that's just what I'm kind of intrigued by. I'm not sure if it's going to be good or bad yet, but I'm interested. I'm interested for the same reason that Boston College decided to take the same route that Rutgers took just a few years ago with Chris Ash, hiring an Ohio State defensive guy to come in and run the program. I think the difference is I think Halfley's a little bit better of a recruiter, so I think that could probably benefit Boston. Yeah. Boston College, even. And he's from the area, I think. Ash, I don't know where Ash's base was, but Halfley's already, like, apparently recruiting really well, so. Yeah, they, they turned, they flipped a couple guys before signing day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boston College is interesting because still at the ACC, there's still so many programs that if it took them three years to turn it around, 
NC State's due for another regression, I think, once once um, Dave leaves. And it's been there's, a mess the last three seasons. There's nothing interesting about Boston College. They don't even have anything on their helmet. They're so bland. They have a rivalry with Notre Dame, at least. <laughs> like the, I feel like that's the only time I even Boston College even gets in the it's – the, it's that they'll have a top five leading rusher in the country, and then they'll play Notre Dame. That's like pretty much the <laughs> yeah. only time Boston College registers for me. And he also has like the like a top three uh, top three carries number as well because all he's doing <laughs> – that's all they're doing is just handing the ball off. I, I don't know what's going to go on up there personally, you know, for my own – rooting interest. I'd love them to be in the basement, but I, I, I don't even know if nine, eight, nine wins is a ceiling for them. To me, it feels like six, seven wins is where they should live. Yeah. Just looking at the conference, the ACC as a whole right now, I think you're right. I think seven wins is it until either Miami really, really finishes through and falls off the edge. Uh, they did a pretty good job of that this year. We'll see how the new hires <laughs> came in, but if Miami falls off again and there's still that chance that Virginia Tech takes a huge step back because everybody is just wanting Fuente gone despite him having a good season this year. I think the problem is that Boston College is on the same side as Clemson in that in that uh in that division in that conference. Yeah, of course. And and Florida State's in there and I mean this is probably a good way to segue into them. They brought in Mike Norvell. Brought in Mike Norvell and Norvell has done no wrong on any hire he's brought in. It seems like every single assistant that he's bringing in, whether it's for recruiting or an offensive line coach or whatever it is, every college football writer I see is just nodding their head saying, yep, that is absolutely – what an incredible hire. What an incredible hire. And I don't know if it's because they also want to see Florida State return to glory or if they actually are, but I think Norvell is going to have one of the most diverse staffs in the ACC period from an experience, a region, and a race uh, perspective. And I think that bodes really, really, really well for recruiting in the future because the talent in Florida from a high school level is on a downward trend compared to where it was 10 years ago Hmm. because they're not paying their coaches. They're not paying their high school coaches enough, and they're going to Georgia to coach instead, which is why Georgia just passed (laughs) – they just passed – they just passed California for the most blue chips. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. that's because yep. there's people leaving California, too, because the money out there. Call the liberals. What? Oh, oh God. God. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, we're just going to. Sorry, just I just embraced my NASTA for a second there. Oh, uh, yeah, you're. <laughs> I think the real telling thing with Florida State is do they give him enough time if he's not like nine win season first year? You know, yeah, do they give him. Did they give them two, three years to actually do something because they seem to be a little bit trigger happy? You're spot on because they're going to be bad next year too. I mean, that that offensive line is going to take a few years to dig out of the hole. <laughs> Jimbo and Taggart put them in. Yeah, I think I think Taggart, we discussed this when, when he got fired early and we didn't totally agree with it. The one big difference it seems to be is Taggart runs a very loose ship compared to Norvell. Norvell is a very organized dude, and that's what a lot of people were getting rubbed the wrong way with Willie. And I may be wrong here. I might have, you know, fifth quarter has a really strong Florida State following, so maybe they could actually uh, speak to this. Educators, but yeah. I think they learned their lesson with Taggart that it can, is not a it's not a turnkey operation. Period. 
especially with what Taggart got left and especially what Taggart left. The fact that they made a big deal and they got Chubba Purdy, which is a great signing, but they hadn't been able to get a quarterback in like two years, which is insane. Yeah. For any Power 5 school. Especially coming off of James Winston. Right. Yeah. Do you guys want to stay in the ACC at all? Is there is there anybody else? I'm looking through to see if there was another ACC job, and I can't really... Don't think there was. Can, we, sta- there was can we stay in crazy. Florida? Because I want to ask you guys, a, a former ACC coach, Jeff Scott, taking over at USF, what are our thoughts there? Uh, I love that Charlie Weiss Jr. is his OC. I think he is going to do fantastic there. And I don't think it's as easy of a job as people thought it was a couple years ago. If only because UCF has done so much to improve mm-hmm. their program and actually have an alternative. Because I felt like South Florida was the great number four in Florida, right? They could easily soak up anybody that wasn't Florida, Florida State, Miami. And I think UCF's replaced them. And Florida Atlantic is on their heels. I think Jeff Scott. Ooh, are they now? Florida Atlantic? Uh, I think they were with the last regime, but are they now? I think they are. I mean, it, I, let's see. They got Willie Taggart. We just spoke about him. I uh-huh. think I think Willie Taggart has proven that he can coach at this level. So in that, I think he'll – I'll tell you, I'll, I'll go this far. I can guarantee you he'll do better at Florida Atlantic than Strong did at South Florida, if that makes sense. Okay. And I think that's all you need for – that's all you need to be. And I, and I don't know how Florida Atlantic's facilities compare to UCF's, but I know that South Florida's does not. UCF's is the class of that level of football in the state of Florida. I think that my worry would be if you're Florida Atlantic and you're hiring Willie Taggart, it's that is his name sullied enough in that state where – It's a good point. You know what, what's what's going to happen when, when they're going to recruit? You know because they're not going to be recruiting outside the state much. Yeah, I oh. think that's a good point, and and that he he continues to hire Jim Levitt. I think is kind of neat, and also might be harmful because he just keeps bringing the same guys with him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think out of the two, I think South Florida made the better hire. Going back to Jeff's question, I think Jeff Scott is not only going to be a good hire, but Everybody says the right things in interviews most of the time. Uh, hearing his post-hiring interview that I believe he had with Andy Staples, maybe uh, it it was I was impressed. Like he knows what's ahead of him that it's not going to be that easy. But I think he's also such a good recruiter that it won't take long for them to get back to ten wins a season, even in that tough conference. Well, let's kind of move on to uh, where. Florida Atlantic's uh, old buddy went, moved to Lane <laughs> Kiffin, going to uh, Ole Miss. Jeff, do you want to go first? I can just touch a little bit. I don't know Ole Miss's roster as well, so I, I think it's going to take some time. In the same vein you were talking about with uh, Norvell, every writer I follow and blog I read said Kiffin assembled a really good staff, both coaching and recruiting, it seemed like. So I think he's going to be okay long-term. I think, again, it's just going to be... The fans are going to need to be patient. What are our thoughts on DJ Durkin being the DC? <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of it. I mean, it's kind of classic Kiffin to me, but I, yeah. his name, there's too much locked up with it. You know, I, I don't know. I think that it, it's all a matter of who you root for. 
I think Ole Miss, if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I see the kind of people he's plucking away from staffs and then bringing in even Durkin. And I'm excited that he's like, okay, he's loading up, right? He's not just hiring, you know, quote unquote, his guys. He looks like he's doing a national or at least an East Coast search and finding the best of the best that fit his scheme and fit what he wants to do at Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss, go ahead. I was going to say, I agree with Kyle. The Durkin thing is not good. If he can get back to just coaching, though, he's a really solid defensive coordinator. Yep. And they also hired Chris Partridge from Michigan, who's been learning under Don Brown for the last five years. So, And he's an ace recruiter. So I think together they can probably put something good together. But, yeah, the optics of the Durkin hire were, especially when you kind of read like what Ole Miss said afterwards, like it was not, <laughs> not good at all. Yeah, it's not great. Ultimately, success will drown that out, you know, so uh, which is for better, for worse, probably for worse. We can we can parlay this conversation into what Mississippi State did, too, though. Old Miss has a very real ability to hang in there and be a top 10 team. It wasn't very long ago that we saw both them and Mississippi State as top five programs, at least for a week. But I trust Lane Kiffin will, will – if he stays at Old Miss, it wouldn't surprise me if they are a legitimate threat in four years for a conference, at least a trip to the conference championship game. I think he's proven he's a really, really, really good coach. And Old Miss has proven that they can be an attractive destination for really, really good players if he can just keep it clean, right? Because that was Hugh Freeze's deal. Like not, not it as an it, do not but speak like on our on our Lord from from up, up from high, high, from up on high, yeah, yeah. I think going into right into the Mississippi State conversation, Mike Leach at Mississippi State, I believe, is probably one of my favorite and my most nerve, but the the, the higher I'm most nervous about because I really want him to do well down there. I want him to do well just to prove that he can, but I also don't think he can totally do well there. If that makes sense. Like, I just, I, I don't think, well, let me, let me correct that. For Mississippi State, it's all going to be about what they expect. And if I'm Mississippi State, and I know that I'm in the SEC West, and I know who my competition is, I am very, very happy with 9 to 10 wins every season and every once in a while biting Alabama or LSU or Auburn in the ass or Ole Miss being a constant pain in the ass in that, in that division. Yeah. Being a headache, being what Georgia tech was in the ACC, but in the sec West. And I'm, I'm totally for Mike Leach going in there and just shaking everything up in the sec. I'm super fine with that. And to, to an extent, Lane Kiffin, I think that he's going to come in and shake everything up. Now, last time he was in the sec, he only stayed there for a year. Nah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, um. he didn't. He didn't do bad at his in his role at Tennessee. Like he's like you seven and six, but they were coming off of awkward years under Phil Philip Fulmer, and uh, he had really great recruiting classes coming in, and then everybody just jumped ship once he left. Yeah, I'm excited to see the first Old Miss Alabama game going up against Saban in the first oh, Ole man. Miss Tennessee game. I hope he trolls his balls but, off. God, yeah, he will. And and for for the banter part of it, Kiffin and Leach both are really great hires and it's going to be Oh, the Egg Bowl is going to be wonderful. It's not <laughs> the last thing anybody that hates the SEC wants because now the SEC is just going to be talked about even more. 
I think secretly the best hire probably in the SEC West is going to be Sam Pittman at Arkansas. And it's another thing we discussed on the show. When he got hired, they've got to bring in someone that's going to mix things up, that has to be offensively good. And then bringing in Kendall Bryles is a fantastic hire, despite what the Bryles name brings with it. He's done nothing but pretty much succeed everywhere he's gone. The Florida State fans probably argue that, but I think there was also issues with him actually being the play caller for half the season last year. Kendall Bryles being brought in, and then Barry Odom as a defensive coordinator being brought in. Both extremely good hires, and yeah, it's going to be really weird when Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State all have their shit together, and A&M and Auburn and LSU and Alabama are still going to be good. And LSU is going to have a pretty much an entire, entirely different looking team next year yeah. between assistants and all their loss to the draft. I mean, I could see a, a very real reality where uh, Texas A&M might be at the bottom of that of that list at some point, you know, because I just I'm not the biggest Jimbo supporter, and I don't know I don't know what he's going to be really bringing into that team. They seem like a perpetual eight eight win team, you know. That's me looking at it. I, I don't think it's a bad way to look at it, but after what we just covered on the SEC West, anybody that's not going to be the conference the division winner that year might just be an eight win team like that. If everybody, if the tide, no pun, if the tide's coming up on the entire sec West, there's going to be, it's going to become what we saw with the pac 12. I think, I think that's what, I think that's what it's going to end up being worst case in that aspect. And then I think that the sec West is going to end up actually just eating itself. Meanwhile, in the East, Georgia and your Florida's, and, and 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 Tennessee hasn't proven it yet. They might have a chance, right, to get back in there. Sure. But but Georgia and Florida at this point look like they're poised for success to continue through the easy-ish road into the SEC championship. Okay, so I guess I'll frame it a different way. And I have eight wins. How long does their leadership think that that's okay? Right. Depends on how much money they're making. Because you're paying you're paying Jimbo what a million a win at that point. Yeah, you're paying a ton. That's rough. Um, and, and they wouldn't be uh, being they wouldn't be able to fill out that uh, that banner that they or that um, trophy. <laughs> the, the boot. Them. Yeah, yeah. That's we actually have we have a question from uh, someone that's listening in now. The the Ohio State fifth quarter account. Um, he says, "Hello, Jeff, Michigan fan." Uh, no, he says, uh, "Do you think the offensive line coach to head coach will work via Sam Pittman in Arkansas?" I presume is who he's asking about. And I think it will. I don't think that it was – it wouldn't have been my first choice. And I completely turned it around when he hired Barry Odom because it also tells me that he knows this is his first head coaching gig, so he picked a good head coach. And to steal something else from Andy Staples here, he kept bringing up the hire because Missouri was an absolute wreck when Barry Odom was there. And it wasn't Barry Odom's – fault necessarily he had to manage a whole bunch of mess last year he didn't lose anybody to the transfer portal despite them having the ban which means either he's very intimidating or (laughs) or that all his players believe in him and i think that if that rubs off on Pittman, who's a very likable person i think that's beneficial because i don't think Pittman's going to be calling plays i think he's going to be managing the thing 
I think he's going to be the GM style because that seems to be what so many teams are going towards. And I think that bodes well for Arkansas, personally. Hey, it can only go up in Arkansas right now. Amen. That, you know, that's a good point. Right. And, and, and he's lucky enough. He might, he might benefit from the spoils of the great recruiting in the last two years, despite the poor on the field product Arkansas had. Because Chad Morris brought in, and they're at least keeping some of the really good talent he brought in relative to their competition. So let's skip on to Dave Aranda at Baylor, speaking of LSU. So Matt Rule goes to the Carolina Panthers. He steals Joe Brady. And that also means Baylor decides to steal the other side of the ball for LSU, and they bring in Dave Aranda as their head coach. Uh, I think this is going to be a really good hire, but I also think Matt Rule was a program builder in a way that whoever came in would have to intentionally burn it down and try to start over to really mess things up. Everywhere Matt Rule left uh, continued their success when he left, despite their hires. So... I think Arroyo's a really, really good pick. I think that you know, it's Randa? weird that... What did I say? Arroyo. All right, sorry. Yeah, Marcus Arroyo. So I got confused UNLV because Marcus Arroyo... UNLV is wonderful. Well, so UNLV offered Dave Aranda first, and Dave Aranda uh, yes. said no. And then he got Marcus Arroyo. So that's my bad. That's my bad. So Dave Aranda to Baylor, I think, is a good hire. Him bringing Larry Fedora back into the fold of college football is kind of funny to me. I think it could work. Fedora at UNC was very frustrating for me because I really liked Fedora when he was at Southern Miss. Yeah. And it seemed like every year it was a situation where it was like, oh man, North Carolina, they just, uh, so many injuries this year. Next year though, we'll get him next year. And then it's like a quarter of the team uh, didn't pass their finals. So <laughs> listen guys, it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> I don't know. The next year's our year, and so I think Fedora being just at the offensive coordinator level is going to bode well in the Big Twelve because his Southern Miss teams were a lot of fun to watch. And I had to look up who the hell Ron Roberts was. He was the University of Louisiana, uh, formerly known as ULL's defensive coordinator. He'll always be ULL. He had Dave Aranda as a defensive coordinator back in like 2007. So. Everyone just keeps bringing their old head coaches back into the fold. <laughs> Rocky Long, Ron Roberts. Uh, let's talk about another team that did that. Rutgers. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Greg Schiano is back. Oh, so I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> I can give a little context to, a, to what I see Rutgers was trying to do. So as a Michigan fan, we, for whatever reason, our coaching staff gets raided every offseason. We had a linebackers coach we hired from New Jersey, pretty much for his New Jersey recruiting. And Rutgers was trying to pay him like over a million dollars to come back to Rutgers. So that just tells you, I think Shiano got the checkbook opened up from, you know, the, the AD and I'm sure they overpaid for a bunch of coaches. So, but they're giving it their best shot. They hired a bunch of top notch New Jersey recruiters and coaches and. They're going to try to do the darn thing. I just, I don't know. I think too much has changed since he was there. And he, he thinks it's just going to be the same thing that it was 10 years ago. I don't, I don't think that's the, the case. I am not happy unless Mike Teal is our QB coach. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, Jeff. So I was kind of disappointed by the hire too, because I just, I pictured those old Rutgers teams that were exciting because the Big East was exciting, not because he was doing anything groundbreaking. You know, they were just chopping wood. 
when he oh, had in. a backfield of Ray Rice and Brian Leonard. Yeah, what a punch. <laughs> yeah. uh, so when he brought in the offensive coordinator that he did, Sean Gleason, he was the offensive coordinator that was at Princeton. Then he went to Oklahoma State for a year, and now he's back in the Northeast. That is interesting to me because Gleason ran some really, really, really cool stuff at Princeton. And if Greg Schiano allows him to just have control of that offense, then they look, I think they will look pretty entertaining in a couple of years once they get the guys in. And especially if they're able to recruit at a high level in New Jersey and just keep out some of the others, right? To keep out Ohio State a little bit on one or two guys or keep out Clemson on one or two guys. If they can really nail down the recruiting in that area, the Big Ten, they're in the East. It's still going to be difficult, but I don't think there's any reason to think he can't win seven to eight. Win seven to eight games there, I just think it's going to take a while. To get there. I kind of think that he's going to have to get a bit, not like a huge part, but a bit of a foothold in Pennsylvania too. No doubt. No, I think, I think that's, and you know what? The best thing for Rutgers might be if James Franklin takes another job and gets the hell out. Yeah. Cause nothing good's going over, going on over at Pittsburgh. So that's yeah. Fine. Narduzzi, you know what? And, and I'll mention this when, as soon as D'Antonio stepped down, everyone was just like, Oh, here's Narduzzi's time. Like, it's time for this chosen one to return home. The chosen one! <laughs> and he released a video on his Twitter <laughs> that was the I'm not leaving Leonardo DiCaprio Wolf of Wall Street speech. And it had his face superimposed on Leonardo DiCaprio of him just going, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not effing leaving. And like everybody cheered and, and it was just like hail pit at the end. And That's I fantastic. can appreciate that. And Narduzzi moved up like five levels for me, it's nice to see he has a, a, at least a decent personality being that he's a pit coach, which is Kyle's nearly impossible. Yeah, but yeah, Dave Wanstat would like to have a word. I'm fine. He can have his words. All right. So do y'all have any one, one in particular coach that y'all want to keep speaking about? Or if you would like, I can start reading through some of these hires. And if you want to, you can stop me. Yeah. Start reading that. away. Okay, cool. So. In no particular order here. I've got uh, Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, App State. <laughs> yes, yes. One year. One year. And you know what? And, and App State has Sean Clark now, and they will not miss a beat. I'm confident nope. of that. It'll be fun when Sean Clark gets gets hired away after next year, and then Jeff goes in to be their head coach. Yeah, it's just it's, yeah, it's just they start asking their alum for listen. Does anybody have just anybody that knows something about football? So Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri, uh, Ricky Ronnie at Old Dominion, I think is probably a good hire. But I'm upset that they didn't bring in Beamer's son because just the location it seemed perfect. Mm. We talked about Brady Hoke, Jeff Trailer at UTSA. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you now. It doesn't matter that like that. It's, <laughs> um, San Antonio is is one of the coolest towns in the South for fandom because they will take anything you give them and cheer for it. And look no further than the AAF San Antonio team that had the best attendance in the entire league. Just drawn like thirty thousand a game. <laughs> yeah, they were. Yeah, they were packing it every time. Jeff Trailer is a guy that similar to their last hire is a good recruiter in theory. I don't know. I just don't, I don't, I don't see how you improve UTSA and that's a bummer for UTSA. Jimmy Lake at Washington. I don't think we'll notice much of a difference. Yeah. I think 
uh, they seem to still be, they, I think they kept everybody in their class once, uh, once Jimmy Light slid in. And so that bodes well. A little bit, if you want to talk about Nick Rolo over at Washington State, I think that's a pretty cool, they just decided to double down on both system and personality because Rolovich is a really entertaining guy without kind of uh, like retweeting deep fakes of Obama like Bleach does. <laughs> Uh, he runs the uh, the run and gun as opposed to the air raid. So that's going to be a little bit interesting. And all his hires, he brought in a bunch of guys from Hawaii, which I think is going to help with the recruiting part. But he also brought in a lot of staffers from Wyoming, which I thought was interesting. He's just going to narrow that part of the world. And I think he'll do at least the same job recruiting that Leach did with potentially better on the field results because the Pac-12 at this point is anyone – anyone's game that isn't Washington or Oregon, basically. I, I actually really appreciated his candor because they asked him why he hired so many guys from Wyoming. He basically said because they played Hawaii and I think they kept him to their lowest scoring total. And he was really impressed. Like that's kind of a cool thing for a coach to straight up be like, mm-hmm. you know, I hired a bunch of dudes cause they, you know, stopped my team's high flying attack. So kudos. Cause I mean, Leach's defense after uh, Grinch left went down the drain. So, Oh, we we saw that play out in real time when Leach straight up called out his entire defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm still again. I'm still suffering from the the sleep loss finishing out that UCLA Washington State game <laughs> six months ago. Yeah, I think I think it is. So Rolo has the right idea because I think a lot of coaches do that. There, there's another part of it too. The fact that they're all Craig Bowl assistants yeah. and that dude is like Craig Bowl for however good or bad you think Wyoming might be. Like, that dude is a great coach. And I think he's produced, like, a lot of FCS-level coaches that have done well, if I'm remembering that correctly. Sorry, taking a <sighs> taking a sip of the old monster to keep running here. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, got to do that uh, after you watch uh, the UCLA-Washington State game. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I think that was a four-monster. That might have been a four-monster day. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a tough one. So, <laughs> God, sorry, it, it is hitting me. Um... <laughs> So the only other one I wanted to talk about, Rhett Lashley at Miami, I think is a really good hire for Miami. Uh, I don't think he's going to be there very long, especially if he does help turn it around. He'll get a head coaching job soon. And then Chad Morris at Auburn, uh, supposedly Gus Malzahn is going to hand over playing, uh, play calling. I don't think that's going to last, but Chad Morris there has a chance to do something. And really, that's, that's all I got, gentlemen. That's all I really want to dig into. I thought it was interesting. Clint Trickett is the offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator at Florida Atlantic. Clint Trickett. Yeah, is that the you got old... Tommy Reese as an OC and Clint Trickett as an OC. Notre Dame dumped Chip Long and hired Tommy Reese. Wow. Yeah, he called the bowl game, I believe. Yeah, they and, and they, well, Kansas State didn't really show up. That's who they ended up playing, wasn't it? No, they played Iowa State. Joe Moorhead at Oregon is interesting. Yeah. We'll what about see. Ryan Silverfield at, Me- at Memphis? That's a weird one. I think Memphis knows where they're at right now because they, they're they going to have to keep replacing coaches. I think Silverfield maybe gives them a chance to keep a coach for two or three years because if they ended up hiring, say, uh, ULL or Arkansas State's coach and they ended up performing really well in Memphis too, they would then get swept away by a power five. I think Silverfield maybe adds some stability to the whole thing. And I think Mike McIntyre staying as a defense coordinator is pretty good, too. Is Memphis, too, the uh, Memphis airport version of the university? Like, kind of like Chili's, too? 
All right, so Memphis Airport is maybe the worst airport in the country. <laughs> I had to stay there when we were this is since we're wrapped up with coach talk. I want to tell this story because it's dog shit. So my so <laughs> what a sell of a story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean uh, the the airport, not so much the story. So we okay. So we have an argument that Columbus has the worst one, which I won't agree. I won't disagree with because it is Columbus. <laughs> okay, I can at least agree there. But Columbus I was is big fly- enough to have an airport. We were flying to Alabama, where my wife has family or had family uh, during Christmas time, and we had to stop the plane. We were flying from Dallas, Texas. They had to stop at Memphis Airport because there were tornadoes all over Mississippi, as as one will do in December. Huh. So we land in this Memphis Airport, and it's I want to say like 10 p.m., maybe 9 p.m. And they say, all right, we're going to wait these storms out. Uh, we'll be out of here in no time. And then that turned into, I think, four and a half hours at this airport. Jeez. You couldn't exit the gates because they wouldn't let you back in. The whole airport was closed, so there were no restaurants. And there were only a few security guards and the Southwest Airlines crew that was there. And they said, hey, we're ordering pizza, guys. We're getting pizza for everybody. That took two and a half hours to deliver. It took <laughs> it took so long. So everybody's hungry. The only thing on the floor was these, they were bathrooms that looked like a seventh grade, like gym bathroom, like shitty tile, the shitty, <laughs> shitty paper towel dispensers, shitty soap, shitty sinks, like across the board. And they had two vending machines. One of them only accepted cash. And the card reader didn't work. The other one, the card reader worked and it didn't accept cash. And I want to say someone got, like two or three people got shit stuck in there. Honest to God, Memphis, I will never fly into Memphis for the rest of my life because of that experience. It was awful. (laughs) Sounds fun. All because of tornadoes in Mississippi. Well, damn. Any final thoughts before we bail, guys? Uh, Not really. I think we covered all the good coach stuff. Okay. Okay, good deal. So we may have something else. Uh, maybe we'll dive into Bo Pelini next episode. Uh, the next time we'll record no is going to be sometime. No one dive into Bo Pelini. <laughs> I really want to do just 15 minutes on Bo Pelini, Kyle. Go. So no, we'll I have want that. our next episode. We're going to be doing not necessarily a recruiting show because it covers a whole lot of names that you'll forget eventually anyways. There may be some big signings here and there we'll cover. Mostly we want to go over some of the transfers that have happened. Uh, same faces, new places is probably the title of it. That's going to be coming to us in March. Uh, if you've listened and you enjoy the show, please take a second to subscribe, iTunes, Apple, or any place you listen to podcasts. If you want to throw us a rating and a review, that really helps the numbers out too. And everybody that sat in here and listened and gave us feedback through the chat, I really appreciate that. That's the first time we've been able to really utilize the chat part. Yes, so thank, thank you. you to the, yeah, thank you to uh, Evan, who runs the fifth quarter Ohio State Thank you for the Vols account. I don't know your name. I'm sorry. Thank you for Trask for Heisman. I'm not going to judge the name. <laughs> let's get it. 2020. It sounds like you off- just did. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, uh, you know what? Trask for Heisman might not be a bad shout next year. Because at this point, we'll have a long preview show months down the road. But that might be an interesting name to keep in mind. Keep in the back pocket. Thank you guys for listening. And gentlemen, say goodbye. Long live Tate Martell. Bye. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Everybody have a great week. Hi, my name is Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And we are the hosts of a statistics and sports podcast called Juicing the Numbers. We cover the NFL, college football, MLB, and the NHL with anything that we like to talk about in between.
If you like sports and the numbers behind it, come check out our show, Juicing the Numbers, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at JuicingPOD.